Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We're going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia. I'm a social media marketer, writer, and a mom to three boys, ages four, two, and 10 months. And I'm Tara Lynn, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 10, eight, four, and two. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. Hey everyone, so we're going to start out with our face palm and our high five. So I have the face palm today and it's kind of a general face palm and it's my mom brain really bad lately. I walk into a room to get something and I don't get it. And then I walk back in and I forget again. It's really, really bad. So today, no, yesterday I had scheduled to do pick up groceries, which if you haven't done, order your groceries online. You need to do it. It'll change your life. But I went the whole day and I forgot to get them. And then they called me and said, you know, just check on you. (laughs) You have your groceries still. So I went and got them like eight hours later. And then forgot him in the car. Uh, so bad. All my perishables. So my mom brain, it's bad. I've had to write notes on my hand. I'm like in high school and write notes on your hand. Leave little sticky notes everywhere. So my brain's not working lately. I love that. <laughs> well, I'm sorry at the same time. Yeah. But we've all felt it. Have you ever... <laughs> I've done it before where I'm actually at the grocery store and then I do the drive and load thing where they're like, hey, do you want us to bring it out? You just pull up and pick it up and they load it in your car. I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Like a huge grocery shop. And then I just drive away. Oh, I've never done that. That happened once, like three hours later. I was like, I think I, I didn't realize it once I got home. You'd think I realized once I got home. Oh no. No. Like hours later, I was like, I think I bought a lot of groceries and they're still at the grocery store. That poor person like sitting there with the car, like where did, where'd she go? Did they call you? No, but when oh. I called, they had put it all back in their little fridge oh. and freezer stuff and <laughs> had it for me like five hours later. Oh, my gosh. So we've all done it. I feel you. So my high five um, happened yesterday. So we went to one of our neighbor's houses, I don't know, maybe like a week ago, and my, my neighbor said this phrase, and my eight-year-old was with me, and she said, you know, I like where my TV is, but sometimes it gets glaring from these big windows, but it's okay because we're not TV folk. So it's fine because we rarely watch it. So, you know, it works out. And so my eight-year-old yesterday, we're sitting, we're eating lunch, and she's like, mommy, what does TV folk mean? (laughs) So, you know, I give her some good statistics about how many years most people spend of their lives watching TV and like all the things and, and... you know, I may have gone a little overboard in explaining how <laughs> we view TV as a treat. You know, it's more like an Oreo. Like when you eat an Oreo, you love the Oreo and you eat the Oreo. But we don't like live off of Oreos, right? Because our body wouldn't feel good and our mind wouldn't feel good. That's how I see TV. It's like a special treat. It's a fun activity. But it's not what we live off of, right? Like life happens other places, not in front of a TV screen. So anyway, and it was so awesome because then my 10-year-old pipes in and she's like, so, so my eight-year-old's like, okay, so we are definitely not TV folk then, right? And also, just to be clear, I'm not, like, villainizing the TV. Because, again, I really enjoy watching movies. I think it's a, a great thing. But I just don't want – I don't want our lives to go by. I don't want years and years of our lives to be spent in front of a TV. And especially while our kids are little, I don't want that, you know, for their brain. 
And then my 10-year-old's like, oh, Mommy, I think how we do, do TV is the best way. <laughs> and I was like, that yeah, is like one of those as a mother. That. I mean, it took 10 years, but like, yes. I was like, oh, well, well thank you. You know, I anyway, love that. That so, feels so good. So, and one of the questions you guys asked we're going to cover later has to do with the subject. So I just want you to know that when you set limits and you stick with them, your kid may come to a point where they thank you. <laughs> And she's yeah, like, I love, and, they will. and yeah. my 10 year old loves, loves imaginary. Like she, she can just go into her own world and they're all like, my kids all say, we don't believe in boredom. Cause that's what I tell them if they say they're bored. I'm like, I don't believe in that. <laughs> like you have a whole place inside your head. You could go and a whole house that you can play in. And my, my oldest is like, mommy, I love how I can just like entertain myself. And I love it that she can see mm-hmm. that now. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's one of those fruits as a parent when every once in a while you get a thank you for something that I felt so strongly about years ago. So anyway, so for those of you out there who are, have been asking us questions about spring, screen time, which we'll get to, I just want to let you know, there's hope. and I love I that. reward from it. I just read The Gifts of Imperfect Parenting by Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. It's just a little, it's only like a two-hour audio conversation almost. Awesome. It's really good. And she talks about she is a shame researcher, but she researches a lot of things. And she did like a whole study group on kids' reactions to their parents' limits. And so she had a bunch of groups of kids, like 10 kids, and she would ask them um, how your parents set limits or, you know, how your life was in regards to how your parents disciplined you and the kids whose parents it was she said it was almost like a match of wills of who had the like the most limits as kids but in a good way they were like well my mom didn't let me watch this and I had to be home at this time but they there were always two or three kids in the group who who wouldn't comment and she could see like like this shame feeling come over them and it was and it was because they felt like their parents had no limits for them and they they felt they didn't love it they felt mm. sad about it and they wish they would have had that that makes sense yep because limits actually make you feel safe yep exactly my neighbor who is very wise and i haven't asked if i can use her full name so i'm just gonna say her first name um, my neighbor julianne always says when i set limits for my kids i tell them and if they ever complain about it i say i think you're gonna thank me later and if you don't I'll pay for your therapy. Yeah. And I love it because <laughs> yeah. with most things, they are going to thank you later. Yeah. But we're not perfect. And so there may be things that they don't love later. But yeah. probably most of them, when it comes to like safe limits, I think yeah. they will thank you later. Yep. I agree. So if you guys notice, we hopefully you notice we sound better. We have a new little recording set up and it's quite nice. It feels awesome. Yeah. Me and Felicia <laughs> have just been chatting this whole time, planning our episode, just enjoying talking so to So for extra long-winded, it's fast-forward <laughs> because we're loving our new little nights. We're feeling fancy. Um, so today, we're going to just go into some questions from our listeners. And all of these we got in various forms and kind of mushed them together because they were really similar. So we have four questions today, and we're just going to chat about them. So our first one is, can you give some tips to break out of a funk within ourselves? And in combination with that, how to combat that feeling of plateau, you're not really going anywhere, doing the same thing every day and every week, which we all know that feeling 
especially when you're staying home with your kids, but just life in general is kind of repetitive. Mm-hmm. So, and even, I mean, my husband talks about in his job, I mean, most jobs have the same thing every week. You know, he has a board meeting on this day, <clears throat> cash flow meeting on this day, you know, and yep. it's the same. It's really, and I feel like in, in a home, I mean, I've described it sometimes in my darker moments of it's just like this <laughs> treadmill of, you know, yes. the toys come out and then you have to put the toys back and they come out Lunch. again and they go back. <laughs> However, and that's one way to look at it, definitely. Um, but before we go into some of the tips that we have, I just want to really point out that sometimes, in fact, I am a proponent that I think everybody needs to see a professional at some point in time to help them. I mean, none of us have a problem going if you're like going to be a really good runner. None of us have a problem reaching out and getting help from a coach. Um, but for some reason, most people have a serious issue when it comes to getting help for their emotional and mental well-being. So before we go into our tips, Felicia and I are not professionals, um, but I have found, I've gone to therapy before, and I feel like a lot of people, if you if you feel like you're struggling to a point where you are feeling hopeless or you're feeling in a really dark place, reach out to a professional because they have a lot of tools that can help you so, so much. So we just want to put that out there to make sure that you know that there are more other people who actually dedicate their entire lives to this question right here so but some of the things that Felicia and I have found obviously I actually have enjoyed therapy myself but um for me anytime I'm in a funk and I know I know it always goes back to this but I think this may be life is always going back to some core truths Mm -hmm. when I am in a funk I always go back and I reanalyze how am I doing on my foundational connecting habits because, and every single time I've ever done this in my life, there's always one of them that's really off. Mm-hmm. So if you want a review on what my personal um, connection, foundation habits are, go back to our, mine is on the second episode, and Felicia's is the first episode, and we talk about our morning routines. Like, that literally is the foundation for me, for my personal mental health. Am I connecting with myself? Am I connecting with God? Am I doing things? I mean, in that, I've now started writing as part of my Miracle Morning. I mean, that is part of Miracle Morning, which is the book by Hal Alrod, for those of you who are new to this. And it's silence, affirmations, visualization, (laughs) exercise, reading, scribing. (laughs) Thanks, Alicia. (laughs) Mind blank there. Anyway, those are are the things. So writing is part of it. But what I'm saying is those things for me, if I'm not doing them, oh my heavens, it makes a huge, huge, huge difference in my life. And so for me, just recently, I've started writing, and not just writing like in my journal, but like actually writing, writing. And it makes me feel like in my life, I'm, I'm actually going somewhere. Even if my daily stuff isn't changing, like inside of myself, I'm progressing. And that is like this infinite, thrilling journey, right? And if we can like tap into that feeling of what's happening inside of ourselves and actually like improving and developing the inside of us. I mean, and reading, I mean, reading is like this whole world of whether it's just a good fiction book, nonfiction, self-help, whatever books take me to a place where, I mean, I feel like it's just so exciting. Like I can't, I don't know. I can't even describe it. Totally. And it totally takes that feeling of plateau and that I'm on a treadmill and it moves it to like, I am. Cause you're progressing. Exactly. And it, and it really is thrilling, and it yeah. gives me this feeling of energy, 
And something that's super, I don't know, for me, it's been a really big deal for me discovering this. And Brene Brown is actually the, the author who introduced me to this concept. But I've read it in, in so many books. And that is, once I've changed my shift of looking at my life, I used to think that only the extraordinary parts of my life were the really, really valuable parts. And that's what we see in everyone mm-hmm. else's lives yeah, exactly. now, in this like day and age, it sounds like. <laughs> These days. These days, <laughs> you young whippersnapper. <laughs> but, you know, and even growing up, though, I feel like my biggest things were, you know, like, how I graduated from college, and I, you know, I was impressing myself and yep. stuff like that. And now mm-hmm. most of my days are just ordinary. But I'm actually looking back in my life, my most powerful, although those were really good for my ego, those really like big accomplishments. The most meaningful experiences were small ones, like yeah. looking at robin eggs with my dad when I was a little girl, or having painting with my mom. I mean, those are actually looking back the most meaningful things in my life. So I've actually switched the way I look at it, and I've decided to look at ordinary as the most meaningful parts of my day. And then I still do things to work and progress so that hopefully there are still extraordinary moments, mm-hmm. maybe accomplishments, but that those, and those when they come, hopefully you know you take them with and enjoy them too, but that our meaning actually isn't derived from those. That ordinary is really where our everyday meaning, and that's where life, like life happens in the ordinary. Yeah. And even if you look at those people who, I mean, it looks like their whole life is extraordinary, still 90% of their moments are ordinary Just moments. Days. So if we can't ever learn how to appreciate and find meaning in those, it's hard. What Then we'll only be yeah. fulfilled like a very small percentage of our yeah. lives. So, And that, just that reframing has been huge, huge for yeah. me. So I have two tips to kind of get to that point. So for me, in my morning time, if I'm feeling like I'm in a particular funk, I'll write down, I'll look at my general days and write down like what activities that I am doing or what things that I'm not doing that are almost putting me into that funk. So some things for me are not getting enough adult time, talking to people that I love and want to just chat with. Um, Or maybe if I'm not getting outside or exercising a lot and I'm just feeling like blah, Um, whatever they are, maybe I'm watching too much TV or whatever it is, I write them down and then I talk with um, my husband about, okay, so here's the things I feel like I need. Here's the, like, how can we fit these in to our schedule um, for me to be able to have a little more fulfillment? So that's one tip that you can do. Um, and I usually do that in my miracle morning. If it's like going on a few days or a week of like the, why am I feeling like this? I'll do something like that. Um, and then the other thing is, um, in my caregiving tasks, and this is something I've heard from people. And also when I had my first kid, Carolyn, I already had two kids. And so she kind of mentioned this to me, um, but it's just in your caregiving tasks. And we've mentioned this before, but that when you change a diaper, when you give a bath, when you're making food, when you're just doing all the things you have to do, um, just to be present in that moment instead of thinking about the next thing you have to do or this is, oh, I'm so sick of doing this. Just be present in that moment and connect with your kid because it'll give them the one-on-one that they need, especially as you get more kids. Like I have, obviously I have three boys now and it's like, 
I'm not having all this one-on-one time just like hanging out with any of them. It's pretty much just keeping all of them alive and clothed and fed. So if I didn't take those moments to connect with them, I wouldn't really have any. So to use those everyday things that you do all the time to connect. And it really does transform. Di- so I'm going to use just diapering because all parents diaper, hopefully, mm-hmm. you do. Um, but I find with my youngest, it's actually time that I treasure. Mm-hmm. And he actually likes it too because yeah. it is time that he gets just to himself and yeah. I'm talking to him the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just, I mean, that's just one of those things that a lot of parents dread. But when yeah. you shift that perspective of like this is a time of connection, yeah. It actually makes it pleasant. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the ironic thing is as you accept it just for what it is and turn it into connection, it actually turns mm-hmm. to something you enjoy. Totally. I just have a question for you on your morning time. Mm-hmm. And you guys may say, why do you keep bringing up this like personal connection time? And it's because it's so <laughs> important. But what is you in, in all those things that we do in our America morning? What's the one for you? Like for me, meditation is my like, if I'm missing out on meditation, mm-hmm. I get into a funk within a mm-hmm. few days. Like I'm needing it what, mm-hmm. what's for you like the most important one that's your kind of foundation so it's hard because daily meditation for me is huge but I usually do it during quiet time because I have a hard time just sitting for a long time in the morning because my personality I'm like oh, what if the baby wakes up and my kids are still at a stage where it's like somebody's waking up and interrupting me most yeah. of the time so I know during quiet time I'll get that so for me in my morning it's um, getting a small workout in. And when I say that, it's pretty not that amazing. But I listen to books while I'm working out. So I get that in combination. And then I always get that feeling of I did something today. I press, progressed a little bit for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I write down. So my scribing part is all my affirmations, visualization, and goals. I I write it all down for the day or the week, and then I visualize it. So those Mm. two things are like my morning. If I can get those two things in, I feel really good. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, those are the things you miss the most. Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. That's how my husband does exercise. Really? Yeah, Yeah, it's just interesting that we all have, Mm -hmm. as you you guys practice these things, you'll find out what is for you. I mean, they're all important, but you'll find what's yeah. the one that's like, wow, this this is the biggest bang for my buck. It makes a huge totally. difference in my life. Totally. Awesome. Okay, so we move on to our next question. And it is, um, how can you limit your screen time and your children's screen time? Oh, this one's fun. Um, so for me, so I'm going to talk about for myself first, and then we'll talk about for our kids. Um, I think all of us have some sort of temptation to look at our phone. These days. <laughs> and it is a definite weakness of mine to try to just distract my brain. If my kids are just playing, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do right now with my couple minutes? Um, or if I go to the bathroom or anything, I just want to grab my phone and check in. Um And so something that I've found to be helpful for me is that I admitted that and recognized that in myself. Um, And I wrote myself a little note and put it in a place in our kitchen where I am often. And I, so I'll, I'll tell you what my note says, then I'll explain it. So at the top, it just says, leave your phone here. 
um, remember them, them being my kids, and have the courage to admit your vulnerability. So for me, it's a, it's when I see that, I'm like, yes, it is hard for me not to look at my phone and distract my brain. So admit your vulnerability. And then my note says, you hold the power to connect and lead with love. So I want in any moment to be able to connect with my kids. And we all have to be on the phone sometimes. And we have things we have to do. But I think if we recognize this weakness, we'll realize the world's going to go on. They don't need us all the time. We don't have to be on demand. And we can be that example for our kids. Because we can't expect them not to want to distract their brains if we're doing that all day or their example. So we can say that all we want. Like you only get 30 minutes of screen time, except for I'm going to look at my phone for 16 hours a day. It doesn't work like that. So, so that's for me to recognize my vulnerability and admit it. And then just know it's just something I'm going to have to fight. And the more I do not fight because we don't battle stuff, we accept it. And then the more I recognize it in myself, the less I do it. The less I like myself. I love that. I I love I I have a little place where I put my phone, but I don't have a meaningful purpose <laughs> note. I like that. You would though. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have <laughs> you need have, it. Yeah. <laughs> have to add that. So I have a space in my house where I just it's my place where I put my phone and my kids can't reach it. And I've actually told all the people who I know are important to me, who are the people who get a hold of me the most, which for me is probably like, you know, both my families. And I've just told them that I keep my phone on do not disturb until 1 p.m. So all morning it's on do not disturb. In fact, I don't even turn my phone off of airplane mode until after I'm there morning because the temptation for me is too strong yeah. to check social media and even text and emails. Yeah. And just this morning, I literally, I woke up and I pulled up my phone and I pushed the Facebook button before I even left. So I like flipped it off airplane mode. I mean, it was ridiculous, guys. Like, talk about, it shows that we all have this yeah. weakness. I clicked yeah. Facebook and I actually had to like hurry and turn it off yeah. before I even looked at it. Like, no, I don't do this. What am I doing? Yeah. Anyway, because yeah. otherwise I just get sucked into it. You guys all heard my story a few weeks ago about I did that. And I got sucked <laughs> tasty into tasty videos. <laughs> so, so what I try to do is not do what I just said that. But, and if I do, just try to get out. But um, but airplane mode in the morning helps me. Then do not disturb. And what I do with do not disturb is I put my most important people, though, because you can change your do not disturb settings so that if they call me, I still receive the phone call. Like if there's something urgent and you need to talk to me, just give me a call. But if you send me a text in between those hours, I'm not going to see Texts it. Texts aren't urgent. Almost all texts are not urgent. They exactly. shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, I mean, I'm, I homeschool. So at the beginning, like I want to be able to focus on my kids. But even when I'm not doing that for my younger kids, I actually just want to be with them. So Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do our things and not feel like I'm always looking at my phone. I don't want their memory of me as a mother to be me looking at my phone. Mm -hmm. And then, but then the great thing about that is, you know, I always take a few minutes. It always takes only like five minutes to like catch up on correspondence during the afternoon. And then back again, um, I like to put my phone away again for dinner time. So like no no phones at the table. And, you know, and then after the kids go to bed, I always, again, take five minutes, catch up on your correspondence. So for me, just, I mean, and this isn't just, I mean, I've read this tactic. A lot of business people do this. I mean, four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss, like, Mm -hmm. he has very specific, I mean, this is like people who have awesome 
careers. This is when you can get a hold of me. Yeah. Like, yeah. these are the times that I respond to my email. And there's something liberating about that to be like, for those of you who have these great careers, you have to do a ton of emailing. I think there's nothing wrong yeah. with saying I respond to emails at 12 and 3. And that's mm-hmm. it. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, email, all these things, text, emails, they come up and they interrupt our flow. And rarely are they urgent. But they are totally getting in the way of us living our mm-hmm. purposeful, intentional lives. Amen. So, for kids. Oh, oh I just remembered on. one more thing just to pay attention to because I noticed this. When I am feeling frustrated, I it's almost like a compulsion to go look at my phone. Like, I have to go find my phone and I'm like, I just need to, like, numb out looking yeah. at Facebook or something. But I would say when you feel that, notice that compulsion. We mm-hmm. all have that feeling. And I think the other compulsion is, like you were saying, when your mind is silent. Yeah. Do you have that compulsion to fill it with your phone? Mm-hmm. Those are two signs just to observe. And when I observe it, to me, it's usually a sign of my state. Like, okay, I actually, what I really need is like 30 seconds of paying attention to my breathing. Mm-hmm. When I feel that like, I just got to go, <laughs> I got to close the door and I yeah. got to look at my phone. That's now, it's just more like a trigger. Like, oh, red flag, you're struggling. Put the phone away, actually. Mm-hmm. So actually use your phone as like a little temperature gauge for your inside. If you're feeling that compulsion, you really need to walk around the block for a few deep breaths instead. Yeah, your phone. Agreed. Okay, so before we move on to kids, I want to preface it with we like having uh, technology as a mom. Sometimes it's just like savior. So we're not villainizing it again. We both let our kids use screens, and there's sometimes when it's just like I need this so bad. So, but if you're feeling like you want your kids to have less screen time, maybe. You're noticing it in their personalities or their attention spans or whatever. The My only tip for that is to go cold turkey. Set your limit. Hold it. So for us, our limit is we have one day a week where Cohen can choose during quiet time to have a show. And then we have one family movie night where during dinner we set up a big blanket and we eat pizza and watch a movie. Those are, for, for my kids, my two younger ones, they're too, they don't use screens. So for Cohen, that, that's like our screen time rule. And it didn't used to be our rule. I think you have to um, assess for your family what's best. And we didn't really have rules around it because he was so little. But then once it started to get to a point where he was asking or wanting it or feeling like he wanted it as a distraction, I set that limit. And honestly, you know, it's like he still asks can I watch a show? I'm going to watch a show, blah, blah, blah. But that's still our limit, and I just hold it, and it really isn't a fight. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some days where he still wants to watch more than that, but I just hold the limit, and then he's over it, and he's, like, playing something. So Awesome. That's my only tip. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. I love it. And if you want some motivation on why it's important to limit screen time, I would recommend... I know we just rave on about Janet Lansbury and her podcast Unruffled or her website, but she, I mean, you can go, she has a whole thing on screen time with actual professionals who have done a ton of research on it. So, I mean, if you just want to motivate yourself, it affects the way they learn. If they have a ton of screen time, it can lead. I mean, it's connected to like ADHD. And I think we've all had the times where our kids have been watching something for a long time, and then they're just cranky, cranky. pants. Oh. So, I mean, that's just anecdotal, but wow, I've yeah. experienced that myself. And it's huge for their developing brains. So, 
trust me, if you don't want to look into the research yourself, there's a lot of research out there. It's worth limiting your totally. screen time. So for my kids, um, our specific rules are, and again, as we say, these rules, these are just our rules. You go with what yep. resonates with you. Yep. Um, I mean, some people have zero screen time, and that's mm-hmm. great too. For me, we in our home, we don't do this every day, but sometimes when I do their hair, it takes about 10 minutes, and I let them watch a Spanish. So during the whole week, anytime we watch anything, and it's usually, again, during doing hair or something like that, um, I always have it in Spanish. And now Netflix has a place where you can actually go and change the language, which is way cool. Mm-hmm. My husband speaks Spanish, and so we're trying to teach our kids Spanish. Anyway, so we do that. And then the only days we watch an English show is on Tuesday. We watch an English show, and they get to choose the movie, and they think it's really cool. And then, and actually Tuesday night, my husband is so amazing, and he folds the laundry with the kids while I go to a thing I have on Tuesday nights. And... Um, they fold laundry and they watch their show together. And so it's like this special thing they all look forward to. And then usually Friday night, we have a bunch, my kids are at ages now where they have a bunch of little friends and they come over and they choose a movie and they watch the movie together and we make it into a big, a big thing and <laughs> they look forward to it. It doesn't happen every Friday night, but, um, but anyway, so it makes it so that movies are a time of connection and it's kind of like a treat. And mm-hmm. so again, we, and we really enjoy it. And there are times where I have used when times get desperate and you do need to use the screen time as a babysitter that happens sometimes but I would just ask you to look at if you're needing that screen time as a babysitter every day it's probably worth reanalyzing like for me I mean probably now like twice a year Mm -hmm. am I at a point where it's like oh my heavens yeah please just I need two hours and this is the only way I'm going to get it yeah. Because the reason why I like what Felicia said about you just set the limit and you just you, you explain to your kids why you're setting the specific limit and then you just stick to it and they're going to and if, if yours is a lot different than you want it to be right now, they're probably going to put a lot of pushback and they're going to be really cranky and you're going to think how in the world are they ever going to entertain themselves and that's okay just give them a little detox time or a lot of detox time give it some time let them flounder. And the amazing thing is their brains just figure out a way and they don't even, yeah, they may ask for it sometimes, but literally you won't even miss it. Like I don't even miss, like with my first, I got in the terrible habit of, I mean, she was like two and I'd give her something like Sesame Street to watch in the car. Yeah. And I thought we like needed it for the car. And then I realized, oh my heavens, I read some research about screen time and I was like, oh, we don't need that anymore. I can't tell you the last time. I mean, if we go on like an eight hour road trip or watch something in the car, but we go on two hour drives now and my kids don't even doesn't even cross our mind. We listen to audiobooks. We talk yeah. about stuff. We like look at the sky. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like yes. And they don't even miss it. So yeah. I just, I just, they'll adjust to it. Mm-hmm. And I actually had my kids memorize. I'm obsessed with having them memorize things. And they memorized it's by John Kabat-Zinn. And he said, when you pay attention to boredom, it becomes unbelievably interesting. And there is something to that. If you can just sit in a little bit of boredom, the whole world opens up for you. So yeah. I think it's just kind of changing our perspective on. It's okay to feel some boredom, and they'll adjust to it, and yeah. just go with it. Stick stick to your rule, whatever you decide. Whatever resonates with you is what's going to be best for your family. Agreed. And I, again, we have to do the thing first before our kids will do it. So I noticed this in myself on drives. So if you, like, are stopped at a really long light or something, resist the temptation to look at your phone mm-hmm. or try to fill the space. And so I try to, in those moments, like, what am I telling my kids to do? Okay, look around. 
look at that beautiful mountain and like point it out to them or whatever it is. We have to do it first before they'll do it. So second. You know, it's kind of fun when you're looking around at scenery. I like to do this just when we're playing outside, but you can totally do it in the car. And again, we usually do audiobooks, so I'm like loving every second of that. But um, but if you ask your kids, especially if you have little kids, um, ask your, like when you're looking, say, at the mountains, I'll say, what colors do you see in the mountains? And it's amazing because once they look at them first, like right now it's snowing, so they'll be like, oh, white and black. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, what other colors do you see? And they'll be like, oh, it's some purple and some brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's a little green there. I love and that. then you do the same thing with the sky. When you first look at the sky, it just looks blue. When you look closer, there's like little hints of green on the edges, mm-hmm. and maybe a little pink on this side. And it's a great exercise in teaching your kids how to just look at something a little longer. And it takes some stillness, but it's a way fun I love thing that. to do. So I love that. I'm going to do it because <laughs> the audiobooks we listen to in the car are not entertaining for me. <laughs> like ninjas at night. Ugh. Um. <laughs> See, luckily I have, I'm in good company because I have yeah. an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old and we choose, I have to say, it's quite excellent literature. And my two-year-old and four-year-old boys, they're okay with them, but probably isn't what they choose. <laughs> they're in the back board just looking at the mountains. Um, okay, Which is so, great. yes, great. I love it. Yeah. So we are going to take a little break and then we'll be back with our last question. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we're going to take our last question here, and we're going to go over this in a lot of episodes. It has um, a lot that we can go into with examples. I feel like it's the best way to understand it, but here's a question. Um, How can I handle my toddler's big emotions, um, dealing with strong-willed children's emotions and tantrums? Um, So I think... I think what we want to just cover today is that this is so normal. All kids, there's stronger willed kids and, and more chill kids, but it's so normal for them to have tantrums. And also just knowing that they save up those emotions for the people that they feel safest with. So for example, if your kid goes to daycare a lot of the day or even school or preschool, or um, anything where they have to be on their best behavior, they're going to save up those big emotions and bring them home to you. So when they get home and with their dinner, you give them the red fork, but they want the blue fork and they have a huge meltdown about it. It's not really the fork. It's um, that they've been being on their best behavior all day and they want to release those emotions with someone that they feel safest with. So a lot of times when my kids are melting down, I just think, I almost like take it like, oh, thank you. It means you feel safe with me and you love me and you're not trying to put on a show for me. So switching your your framing to that. Um, and you don't have to feel bad that your kids have something to process. Because yes. in that situation, you may be like, oh, I, you know, I didn't see him and that's why they're feeling sad. Yeah. You don't have to feel that because no. life creates emotions. Mm-hmm. So 
no matter what you're doing during the day, your kids are going to have stuff they need to process. Oh, yeah. So just take it as a compliment that they're processing it in front of you. Yep. And you're giving them a safe space to process that. Yep. And I think just, yeah, take it as a compliment. Yeah. And leaning into it. Leaning, lean into it is my parental motto. And yes. just lean into that feeling. Because my kids are mostly home all day and they still obviously have tantrums and meltdowns all the time. Um, and I think then, so the next step after that is encouraging their release. So in Simplicity Parenting, um, Kim John Payne talks a lot about using those emotions or using those emotions as pressure valves. So when you see a tantrum coming on, you're in a safe place like your home. Um, you know you can handle it. You're you're calm. And I think having that like calm, I will protect you instead of, oh no, it's coming, or getting mad will also lessen the severity, hopefully, of the hand, the tantrum. Um, so you're in a safe place, you are feeling safe you're feeling calm and I a lot of times will feel like now I'm gonna almost encourage this like you really wanted the blue fork you're feeling really sad about it and just acknowledging their emotions and letting them melt down holding them keeping them safe but just letting them express it and it's amazing because I swear sometimes I'm like wow, that was very black and white. They're just letting it all out. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my ball and run away. And they're fine. It's just, they need to get those big emotions out. So we will go into more examples and breakdowns of situations in later episodes. But I think the key is knowing that it's normal, um, knowing that they feel safe with you if they're expressing that with you and getting to a place of calm and feeling good about it within yourself and then just leaning into it. And I think that um, if we let them know that there's a difference between, well, we don't have to let them know this. If we just know ourselves that there's a difference between bad behavior and expressing negative emotion. Exactly. It expressing negative emotion is not bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Bad behavior is hurting somebody yep. or yep. kicking somebody, yep. you know, mm-hmm. and those you set limits for and you take them to a safe space. but. Um, but just negative emotion you can handle. Yeah. Something that I've just a little fun thing to like throw in is sometimes when my kids are freaking out, I'll say, better out than in, yeah. let it out. And then and it's your fun. kids say that now, right? Yeah, they do yeah. say it. In fact, I'll yeah, hear my oldest son, my youngest, it's better out than in. And then sometimes they'll even all join and be like, Can we scream too? And I'll be like, Let it out. Yeah, Everybody totally. should be in harmonize. And sometimes that works and sometimes it just makes the person matter. But <laughs> It's a fun thing to do. So, sometimes it's very successful. Yeah. Anyway, but just like when you lean into it more and like let it out, it just, it almost makes it, it feels so good. Anyway. I love that. Give that a try. All right, guys. This episode was so fun. We love taking your questions. We'll do more of these. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out on Instagram or um, leave a review with your question in your review. Um, those help us also be seen by other people who. I want to listen. So let's find the magic. Me, 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 me. Brown cows. <laughs>